0: live from the pacific northwest it's portland story theater's urban tellers real true stories may the narrative be with you it was july 2000 and i was excited i mean who wouldn't be it was time for the annual galloway family reunion which is usually held on the east coast but sometimes as far west as san antonio texas This year, I was particularly excited because it was going to be in my home state of Virginia in the city of Norfolk. And I always look forward to the reunions because it's a time to see relatives you haven't seen in one, two, or three years. And there's always an itinerary of planned activities. Like we have a barbecue, we have a banquet, a space tournament. And the thing I look forward to more than anything else is getting my Galloway Family Reunion t-shirt. I mean, after all, that's my bling bling for the weekend. Now, my father was responsible for revitalizing the reunion back in the mid-80s. And it was his own way of preserving the rich Galloway heritage and history over the years. He also did it in other ways, one way that he passed on to me, and that was through storytelling. You see, he would tell stories on road trips about growing up in North Carolina with his two brothers and also serving overseas during World War II. He passed many of uh, his mannerisms off to me, his personality, and in many ways, his temper, meant. <laughs> <laughs> so when I arrived at the reunion in Norfolk, Virginia, one of the first per- people i met naturally was my father. And I recall walking towards him and reaching out to shake his hand, and he said, hey, what happened to your hand? And I forgot it was in the cast. I said, oh, this? Well, uh, I was moving some furniture and I broke it. Well, he looked at the cast and looked at me and as only my dad could say, he said, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. Well, the more people I encountered at the reunion, the $10,000 question was, well, how did you break your hand? Are you okay? Is everything going to be all right? Are you going to be able to play Spades? And I'm sad to say, as a, <laughs> as a storyteller, the more they asked me, the more elaborate the story became. <laughs> Until finally, one of my older brothers pulled me into his room and said, okay, cut the bull. I know you did something. What'd you do? You don't have to worry about me telling anybody else. So realizing I could confide in my older brother, I told him what happened to my hand so that I could enjoy the rest of the reunion in peace. But even he didn't get all the details and no one has been the wiser (laughs) until now. (laughs) You see, two weeks earlier, it was Gay Pride weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. And my partner and I, we had a standing Saturday night date. You know, we'd go to our favorite restaurant to eat, which was followed by a shopping spree in the upscale neighborhood of Alpharetta, where life is better. (laughs) And then we'd go to Blockbuster Video, rent two movies, and call it an evening. (laughs) Yes, that was our (laughs) date. Well, as we made our way back to town, we began to see all these pride goers out, celebrating, enjoying themselves, and having a good time and became enticed to grow out ourselves because, after all, pride was only once a year. Well, we decided to go to a bar that was close to my apartment, and within walking distance, in case we had a couple of drinks, we wouldn't have to worry about getting a ride back home. Well, once we were at the bar, we had a drink or two, and um, we separated briefly, and he went off and um, started a conversation with someone else in the bar. And I didn't think much of it because, after all, we each had friends outside of the relationship. However, this continued time and time again without me being introduced to this other person. And it got to the point where, well, I was a little vexed, to, <laughs> to say the least. So it got to, so it got to the point where I finally said, you know, that's it, and I've had enough, we're we'll leaving. Well, as we were walking back home, our conversation got increasingly heated with me asking, who is this person? Why wasn't I introduced? What's going on? So that by the time we got back to my apartment, this had escalated into some pushing and some shoving and eventually some fisticuffs. And in the midst of all this drama, some furniture was moved. (laughs) Some things did get knocked over, including my three foot tall, solid oak bass speaker. And after it was knocked over, my hand felt funny. And then I looked at it, and it looked funny. And And I realized, oh my, it's broken. And no sooner than I realized that, there was a knock upon the door. Atlanta police, please open up. And I thought to myself. (laughs) (laughs) When I went to the door, I opened it up and waiting for me on the other side was the beginning of 48 hours of hell in a cell. I was placed under arrest and taken downstairs to the paddy wagon they had waiting. They wanted to separate us because there had been a physical alteration. Fortunately for me, it was a Saturday night, and I had an injury. So instead of going directly to jail, I went to the prison ward at the hospital. And at that, that hospital is where they put the cast on my hand and proceeded to handcuff me to a chair for the rest of the night. And as I sat there, I began to ponder my thoughts. Okay, Cheddar, how did you get here? How did we let this happen? Congratulations, Mr. Galloway. You are now the worst statistic for any black man. Won't your parents be proud? And then it occurred to me, oh, my God, the reunion is in two weeks. I'm supposed to tell stories. How am I going to explain this? Well, the next day, they moved me from the hospital and put me in a small cell to get my mug sh- before getting my mug shot. And it was in that cell that I began realizing the, um, the seriousness of my situation. You know, the cell was small and stinky and nasty. And when they fed me, they slid the food on the floor underneath the door. And it was pro- the worst meal that I've ever had in my life. Well, after my mug shot, they sent me over to a larger general common area with about a hundred other prisoners. And after everyone had been processed into the system, the head guard made an announcement saying, all right, gentlemen, This is how it's going to be. If I hear any racial slurs, any derogatory terms, any curse words, all of you, all of you are going into each of those five 10 by 10 cages. Uh So naturally, someone had to test the officer. (laughs) Man, screw you. into the cages we went. 100 guys, 20 per cage in a 10 by 10 cell. With one facility in the middle, should nature call. <laughs> and I kept praying to God, please don't let me have to go to the bathroom. Please don't <laughs> let me have to go to the bathroom. Please don't let me have to go. Thankfully, he answered. <laughs> well, after about an hour in the, um, in the, cell, in the cages, the guard let us out and told us if we made no further disruption that we could sleep on the benches in the common area. The next day was Judgment Day, as I refer to it, because we were going before the judge to have our cases heard. And as we sat there being chained and shackled together to get marched over to the courthouse, even though I was going through the worst day of my life, I tried to find a little bit of humor in it with this song, I've been working on the chain gang. I've been working on the chain gang. Well, the judge decided that since we had clean records and we were first time offenders, that if we agreed to go to six months of anger management counseling, in addition to making a regularly scheduled monthly court appearance, we could have this uh, drop from our records and we'd have a clean slate. And it was during my six months of anger management counseling that I had an opportunity to reflect and um, reevaluate my life and my temper and how over the years it's led to a lot of bad things. You know, like being disciplined in school, being prone to um, fits of anger and rage, tearing things down, ripping them apart and, Saying some mean and cruel things about people that have cost me both friends and jobs. And over the years, as I've matured through my anger management, I've adopted some philosophies and principles to keep me cool, calm, and collected. (laughs) One of them is simply being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. As Buddhists do, I simply... And in urban street vernacular, it's simply, slow your roll, bro. slow your roll, <laughs> slow your roll. Don't pull up in the Hummer. <laughs> roll with the smart car. <laughs> now my dad, he had another way of putting it. Don't let your mouth get you in a mess and then you can't get out of it. And you know those words, still resonate with me today. And you know, I really miss my father, his presence and his sayings. You see, the last time I saw him was at that reunion 15 years ago in Norfolk, Virginia, when I lied to him. He died two months later. And you know, I'm proud of the things my father has given me, life, creativity, storytelling, Even the way I post notes on the wall to keep my day organized like he did long before post-its became popular. And every day I look at things that remind me about my my father. Uh, Particularly my hands. You know, he was a brick mason. He had these big, huge, strong hands. Much like mine, they have the same kind of curved fingernails. I look at my left hand and I see my father. I look at my right hand and I see my father but I also see something else a reminder as to why this hand is deformed from failing to control my temper